And I would like for you to just stand for me with stand with me for a moment, please, as we turn our Bibles to first John chapter five. And this should be a very familiar verse of scripture to us. But I'm using this for a text tonight. In first John chapter five. Verse 13 tells us, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Our Father and our God, we come before thee tonight, O Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, O Lord and Savior. I know, God, that your word will never return unto you void, O Lord, but it would always accomplish the purpose for which it is set forth, Lord. And I ask tonight for your Holy Spirit, O God, to undertake in every way for those who have been bought by your precious blood, Lord, before this world ever came into being, O God. I pray, O God, that your spirit would awaken tonight, O God, according to your will. And for those of us who have been born again, Lord, that you would encourage us, O oh God, to know that we are born again, that we are saved, O oh Lord, that we have a home to look forward to, one that was not made by hands, O oh Lord, but one that was made by you. Heaven will be a home, O oh God, for we are bound for the promised land. And I thank you, God, for this. Bless your people here tonight, Lord. Bless each one of us. Again, I ask for unction, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 You may have seats, please. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know you have a present possession, you have eternal life, and that you may believe or continue to trust on the name of the Son of God. There should be no ambiguity to those claiming to be Christians as to whether they are saved or not. There are several scriptures that I can turn to to validate what I'm saying, but this one should be enough. The question is to be asked tonight, are you saved? Are you saved? Not are you a member of this church? Not are you someone who come to church? But are you saved? Do you know if you are saved? Can you remember when you were saved if you are? Do you have evidence that you are saved? And if so, what are they? Can you with full confidence publicly state that you are saved? There are many today who may have been deceived into thinking that they have been saved through various means. One of these means can be identified as high-pressure evangelism. And with that, high-pressure evangelism comes, it's accompanying evil. What happens? They are filling churches today with unsaved people through unscriptural and lengthy invitations and worldly attractions like puppet shows and fake healings, fancy lightings, and they're bringing the world with its ungodly allure and attractiveness into the church, and they are luring the ignorant 
who are willing to surrender themselves to a form of religion and an emotional feeling rather than a spiritual feeling, and they're satisfied with a counterfeit worship rather than real worship, worship that honors God for who He is, the sovereign God of this universe, sovereign in every aspect, exercising control over all of His creation. In so doing, with this high-pressure evangelism, they are actually attempting to usurp the work of the Holy Spirit through salesman's gimmick of health and wealth, promising the moon and the stars. Today we had a conversation, and I heard that there, that one of the churches, and I use the word church very loosely now, one of the churches had and continues to have car washes with their young ladies coming out in these skimpy shorts to attract the, un, the ungodly with an ungodly fashion. They themselves are acting in an ungodly way and they're having car washes to introduce people to bring them to the Lord. God never ever, God never ever prescribed anything like that to win souls. Car washes, giving out free this, giving out free the other. I can remember as a young preacher when I was invited to preach in other churches, they were having guest speaker like me. They would promise people, if you bring five people, I am going to give you this and that. Nothing is actually wrong with bringing five people. But the incentive was always wrong. We do things to honor Almighty God. And so when you find high pressure evangelism comes on the scene, we find that carnal people, they perform carnal deeds and they fool the gullible. And many of these people, sometimes because of the way the services are geared, they would walk the aisle, they would lay hands on these people, lead them to say a sinner's prayer, whatever that is, and then they say, okay, you are saved now. That is not salvation. That is not salvation. Nobody has to prod you. No, nobody has to tell you and force you to come. Sometimes, you know, I, I have heard preachers saying they had to kick and drag that person to the pulpit. Salvation is not like that. When God saves a person, God's make them willing. They are the ones who would want to say, Pastor, I believe in Jesus. They are the ones who, nobody has to force them to say that. But high pressure evangelism forces people to do these things. And while sometimes there are that kind of evangelism by various churches, God does use means, and one of them is evangelism. Now, true believers sometimes do find themselves in sin. They may have been saved, truly. Some may have been saved, you never know. But if there are true believers, sometimes we would find that we do fall into sin, and then doubt creeps into us. Tonight, the purpose of this sermon is to point out evidences that are seen in one who is born again. Hence my subject is evidences of the new birth. When I say evidences, I am talking about an available body of facts or information indicating whether a belief or a proposition is valid or true. Afterwards, 
I am hoping that you tonight will be able to answer without a shadow of a doubt, yes, I'm saved, or you should know you're not saved. You know, if I ask you a question tonight, how many married people we have here? Can you show by your lifting your hands, please? All right. The next question is, how many saved people do we have here? Can you? No, don't show. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you to lift your hands. But the same way you can answer the question is, are you married or not? Without any hesitation, it is the same way. You should be able to answer if you are saved or not. There should be no hesitation. None at all. And there are certain evidences that would manifest themselves when you are born again. And I am going to share some of them. I, uh, I hope I'm not lengthy tonight. But I'm going to share some of them with you. And I trust that when I'm finished tonight, that you will be able to answer this question. Yes, I'm born again. Or no, I'm not born again. The first evidence I would like to point out to you when a person is saved is that they have a genuine trust in Christ alone for salvation. They trust Jesus Christ alone for salvation. They do not trust in their baptism. They do not trust in their church membership. They do not trust in how good they are. They do not trust in any of these things. They trust in Jesus Christ and His sacrificial death on Calvary's cross. They trust in that alone for salvation. Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. My Jesus. I trust my Jesus alone for salvation. Nothing else. Beloved brethren, your good works, your special efforts, your dedication to God, all these things are very important in a Christian. But whatever you may have had to do in your salvation, bear in mind, and whatever you do as a Christian today, it is all because of God working in you. The Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 2, verse 14, For it is God who worketh in us, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. When you are born again, if you really have been saved, your thoughts are always centered upon, it is Christ who saved me. It is what He has done that saves me. Not by works of righteousness. Nothing that I could do. But it is what Christ has done. That is what saves me. And whatever work we may have done, it was all passive. God is the one who actively works in us. In Romans chapter 4 and verse 5 it says, But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. The Bible tells us faith is a gift from God, Ephesians 2 and 8. And faith is counted here for righteousness, but that righteousness is imputed by God. There's nothing you can do to get that righteousness. It is all of God. And speaking of the imputed righteousness upon Abraham, we find Paul writing in Romans chapter 4, verses 20 to 25, he said, talking of Abraham, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. 
and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. In understanding that righteousness is imputed by God and that it is all of God, this results in repentance from dead works. Things that we may have done in the hope that it will earn our salvation. Then we realize that righteousness, it all comes from God. If you are saved, you should know that you owe everything of your salvation to God and not to anything you have done. So the first evidence is that there is genuine trust in Christ alone for your salvation. Second evidence the witness and the indwelling presence of God's Holy Spirit. If you are a safe person tonight, you have the Holy Spirit of God living in you. He lives in the believer and he confirms your position in Christ. The Spirit of God, Romans chapter 8 verse 16 says, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are present tense. We are the children of God. The Bible says not only does it confirm to us and convinces us that we are His children, but the Spirit of God, He leads us. And when He leads the believer, He executes ruling power in the believer. For in Romans 8.14 it says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You find that God's Word gives us clear indication that every person who is born again, they are indwelled by the Holy Spirit. In his indwelling of the believer, he continues to convict the believer of the believer's incompleteness without Christ. Through conviction of sin, of righteousness and judgment, bringing total dependency of for everything upon our faith in Christ. All that we want, all that we expect to do, all that we expect to get. Remember Jesus said in John 15 and 5, He says, without me, you can do nothing. And a true child of God, a true child of God, one who is born again, they trust the Lord Jesus Christ in everything that they do. You know, as a young man, my, my two of my favorite verses of Scripture is found in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord. With all thine heart, lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. And that is when you are a child of God, when you are born again. Your everything is centered upon trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Spirit of God, he lives in every believer. He teaches us, he convinces us, he leads us into trusting in Jesus Christ in everything. He lives in every believer, convinces the believer of his presence in them. And if saved, if you are saved, you should know and you should recognize the presence of God's Holy Spirit in your life. I know sometimes we do fall into temptation. Each one of us here, I'm sure, none of us are in previous state. We do fall into temptation. But I'll tell you something. When you fall into temptation... And you're about to go. You can feel that 
that presence in you, can hear that voice in you telling you, no, no, don't, don't, don't. That is God's Holy Spirit. And if you are a child of God, listen, if you claim to be a child of God, and you continue in your quote-unquote Christian life, and you are continuing in, in some particular sin or something, bear in mind, it's either you're not born again, or God is going to place His hand of correction upon you one day. But when you are, when you are born again, bear in mind that the Spirit of God lives in every believer and He convinces you of His presence through conviction as you live your lives. There will be real conviction in every part of your life. The third evidence I'd like to share with you is that there will always be a readiness to trust and to believe the Word of God. Second Timothy chapter 3 verses 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect. That word perfect means, it comes from a Greek word teleos, it means complete. The child of God would be complete, truly furnished unto all good works. The psalmist said in Psalm 119 and verse 89, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. And God's word, when you are a child of God, you thirst for God's word. In John 8, 47, it says, He that is of God, heareth God's word. Jesus says, for those who are not saved, He says, you therefore hear them not, because you are not of God. God's people Trust the word of God. And I tell you something again. I have been studying my Bible over, I would say over 40 years now. And sometimes I feel I haven't begun to scratch the surface of it. I know there's so much in it for me to learn. It is always overflowing like a, like a spring, always bringing up fresh things. And I know that there are lots of things in God's word that to me, sometimes I am perplexed. I don't understand it. But I continue to read it and study it and I continue to trust every... Listen, I know that the, the commas and, and these punctuation marks and all these things, they were placed in, I know there, by those who translated and so forth. But I don't question them too. I trust every part of God's word. If you are born again... You would trust the word of God for what it is. You would accept God's word. The unsaved do not. They always are questioned about its authority. Always questioned about its authenticity. Always questions about its reliability. But for the children of God, if you're saved, you are convinced that the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, it is the inspired word of God. And while we may not understand it all, we unquestionably accept it all as being from God. All scripture. All scripture is given by inspiration. And all is for the child of God. I know we are living in sad times and I, I am not going to talk about King James Version and all these different set of versions and all these sort of thing. But I, if I ever have to give you any advice about a Bible, I'll tell you stick to the King James Version. Do not run to these new translations because a lot of these translations you find you are left as your sole authority as to accept this or to reject that. That is not how it should be. 
You, beloved brethren, if you're saved, you will accept the Bible for what it is. It is God's word unto us. The fourth evidence I would share with you, if you're saved, there will be a consciousness of sin in you. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, Paul was writing, he says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners, of whom I am present tense. I am chief. That is what Paul said. It is believed that he had been preaching for more than 30 years by then. God had saved him, and he had been a missionary out there, preaching the word of God for more than 30 years. When he made this statement, he says, of whom I am chief. The more one gets into the light, the more one sees their imperfections. Beloved brethren, it is important for us to understand when you are a child of God, you see the awfulness of sin. You understand how wicked sin is. And you do your utmost to keep away from it. There is a new nature inside of you that makes you recognize the presence of sin in the body. We have the Apostle Paul had a problem even though he was such a, 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 he was such a gifted preacher and preached for so long. But we know that he recognized sin in his own body. As you read Romans chapter 7, uh, from verses 14 till 25, and I'm not going to read all of that. But Paul had a problem with him, within himself. Because he said, with his spirit he wants to do the good things. I, my, my godly nature in me, I want to do the good things. But this old man, this old man that I'm dragging along in me, he has me so. When you are a child of God, you recognize that there is a new nature, but you continue to have that old nature. And that new nature would, would help you against the new, the, that old nature. You are the one, as a child of God, will recognize whether you are saved or not. This is one of the evidences by recognizing there is, a, there is a tendency in us to commit sins. But I always live by the principle of God's word. It says, for greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And the Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And that, that nature that, that reminds us, God's Holy Spirit who reminds us in us that sin can always be, uh, sin can always be accomplished in this, through this body. That new nature would tell you, listen, you have power that God has given to you, power that is like from high. Remember Acts 1 and 8? And you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So every believer has power in them. Every Christian has that. The lack of recognition of the indwellings in nature is evidence. If you cannot recognize that, there is evidence that you, that is evidence that you need to be saved. You have to recognize sinfulness. The fifth evidence I'd like to share is that when you're born again, there's a love of God and His righteousness in you. In John 8, 42, the first part of that verse, it says, If God were your Father, you would love me. You would love the Lord Jesus Christ. You would want to give your everything for God. 
You would always want to say, not my will, Lord, but thy will be done. When you are saved, listen, Jesus Christ becomes first in your life. You want to do every and anything to please the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what salvation is. Yes, sometimes you will have your dry moments. We all do. Sometimes you will have your dry moments. But basically as a Christian, I'll tell you something. You would want to love the Lord Jesus Christ. Your heart would burst. I, you know, I remember, I remember some time ago, I was just reading my Bible. And I read something and it just had my, my whole body like it was. I was by myself there in my room. And I just started like shouting in my room by myself. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for opening my eyes to see these beauties in your word. Sometimes, beloved brethren, I tell you something, when you're born again, you will truly learn to love the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. But the important thing is this, we would love the Lord when we are born again. First John 4.19, we love him because he first loved us. We will love the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 7.22 says, that one will delight in the law of God and we will observe it. Romans 7.22 For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. When you are born again, you love the Lord. You love His law. In Second Corinthians 5.17 it says, Therefore if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away and behold all things have become new. I have never shared my testimony with you all. But when Christ Jesus saved me, there was such a difference in my life. My mother, my mother used to be like a Hindu priestess. She used to be reading the holy book, the Ramayana and all these books. Have the converse here. She used to teach people the Hindi language. I was a part of her life. I used to go to the Hindu temple. And I'm not knocking any religion, but I used to go to the Hindu temple and I used to be the, the, what we call a dholak, a handrum like that. You may see the Hare Ryama, Hare Krishna people with it. And um, I was so much into that kind of stuff. But I was a wicked fellow, and I'm not bragging. God forgive me, I don't mean to, I don't mean to, to, to make my see, myself seem like anything special. But I, I was, as a young person, I was a terrible young person. But when the Lord Jesus Christ came into my life, all my neighbors, all my friends, everyone saw, my mother especially. She saw the, the great change that had taken place in my life. And this woman, my mother, who used to be like a Hindu priestess, she started to go to church with me. She was shocked. She, they never knew that there could have been such a change in my life. Why I'm saying this for you is that when I saw Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I learned to love him so much. And I, th I thought to myself, I say the little sacrifice now that I have to make to go to church and to spend time with God's people and all these things, that is like nothing compared to what my Lord and Savior Christ did for me. What he did for me, he gave his all. Beloved brethren, an evidence of being saved is that you learn to love the Lord and you learn to love his righteousness. The sixth evidence I'd like to share with you is that when you're saved, you live a life that is generally obedient to God. I'm not saying that you wouldn't falter and fail here. 
But generally, your Christian life is one that lines up with God's word. And you want to live for him. Jesus said in John 14, 21-24, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and I will manifest myself to him. Judas said unto him, not, not Judas Iscariot, he said, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself into us and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not, keepeth not my sins. And the words which you hear is not mine, but the Father which sent me. When you are a child of God, you generally live an obedient life. You generally live an obedient life. Romans 6.14 tells us, For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you're not under the law, but you're under grace. Sin shall not have dominion over you. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. When you are born again, seventhly, there will be the evidence of progressive purification. First John 3, 3 tells us, And every man that had this hope in him purified himself, even as he is pure. The believer in this life does not attain sinless perfection, but he always is at war with his own sins. He is constantly fighting the power of sin in his life. That is why we are warned several times. The Apostle Paul writes, he says, examine yourself whether you are in the faith and prove yourselves. He says also, Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. We should always be constantly battling with sin. There always is a struggle that is going on. And listen, if you are saved, there is something that is called progressive purification, progressive sanctification. Some people call it that. But each one of us, we have a responsibility because we have been bought by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have a responsibility to walk in holiness. And when you are saved, you are conscious of that fact. And you make every effort to walk as the Lord would walk. Remember the Bible tells us that he left us an example that we should walk in his steps. The eighth evidence I'll give you here is that there will be a love for other believers. God's people don't gossip on one another. God's people don't wish for bad things to happen for one another. I believe after loving God, the greatest characteristic that you can find in any person who professes Christ is that they will love the brethren. The Bible tells us, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not, for God is love. And each one of us, who call ourselves by that blessed name Christian, we are to have special love one for another. 
And we have to do good for one another as much as we can. God has placed such a responsibility upon us. First John 3.14 says, We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. When we love other believers, this is evidenced by fellowshipping one with another. Coming to church becomes something that we ought to look forward to. This is where I meet my brother, my sister, this person whom I love so much. This is where we meet. This is where the Bible tells us we ought not to forsake the assembling of ourselves as the manner of some is. It is within God's, God's people coming together. That is where we extend our kindness to the brethren. Paul wrote to the Romans in 12th and he says, Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honor, preferring one another. A ninth, patience, continuance till the end. Matthew 10, 22 says, And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. Beloved brethren, if you're saved... You will go through till the end. You will follow up. Nothing is going to separate you from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Paul wrote to the Philippians in 1.6. He said, being confident of this very thing. That he which had begun a good work in you. Will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. God continues to perform the good work in every believer. That results in preservation by God. And perseverance because we are preserved by God. So brethren, there are evidences when you are born again. Each one of us who profess to be a child of God. At one time we said that we were saved by Jesus Christ. Okay. I want to ask you tonight. If you are arrested for being a Christian... Would there be enough evidence to convict you? Would there be enough evidence to convict you for being a Christian? I trust in the grace of God, as I would say in closing here tonight. The question to you is, are you born again? Do these evidences, and they are much more, I'm sure. Do these evidences mentioned here, do they manifest in your life? If they are not seen, have you considered the possibility... That you might have been deceived into thinking that you are saved or you were saved. You need to think upon this. And I would ask you this question here tonight. And you should be able to answer it without any hesitation. Are you saved? You should be able to answer tonight. Are you saved? I have asked people that question time and time again in visiting with people, even Christians, and they would sometimes say, well, I hope so. That means you're not saved. Some would say, well, I, I, I think so. There shouldn't be any kind of ambiguity in your, in, your, in your answer. There should be a straight out yes or no. Nobody is half married. It's either you're married or you're not married. So I would say in closing here, Jesus says a tree is known by its fruit. In Matthew 12, 33, 
either make the tree good and its fruit good or else make the tree corrupt and its fruit corrupt for the tree is known by his fruit yes if you're born again there will be evidences of salvation i pray in god's grace that you will see the need for jesus christ if you're not saved jesus christ died that you might live may god help us tonight to trust the lord jesus christ in everything and to live for him and that he will be seen in us god bless you